This episode of Vegan Boss Radio is brought to you by Plant Life Nutrition. Plant Life Nutrition is Vancouver's first fully vegan nutrition store. This is also where I offer my vegan nutrition, coaching services, and custom meal plan services. And these are available both in person at the store and online. And what's so great about Plant Life is when you shop at the store, you know everything is vegan approved and nutritionist approved. So they've really done the homework for you. For 10% off all products and services, follow them on Instagram at Plant Life Nutrition and comment Vegan Boss on their latest post. You're listening to Vegan Boss Radio, a show for vegans by vegans. We'll be talking about everything to do with living that vegan boss life. And we need a good ending. Yeah, we need a good ending. I don't know how do we end this shit. Enjoy the show. Welcome to episode number 13 of Vegan Boss Radio. We're your hosts, Shauna Barker and Megan Barker. Today, our guest is Zoe Paled, and she is a vegan activist and vegan event producer. She's a very busy lady. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before. I even list off all the things you're involved with or have been involved with. It's very inspiring. Thank you. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we normally like to find out what everyone's original vegan story is, like mm-hmm. what inspired you to go vegan and how long ago that was. Mm-hmm. So my... My vegan story actually starts with my vegetarian story. Mm-hmm. And my vegetarian story begins when I was in grade six. At that time, it was actually my older sister brought home a, a big stack of pita material. I'm not actually even sure to this day mm-hmm. where it came from. <laughs> and she put it all on the table at home. And what was in that material, which you know, are subjects that you can assume around factory farming. Mm -hmm. It was the first time that myself or anyone in my family had actually learned about that in any capacity. And I grew up in a family where we called ourselves animal lovers. Mm -hmm. So as you can imagine, to be confronted with all of that was quite a a significant moment. Mm -hmm. So we actually all went vegetarian at the same time. And I can't really remember the specifics of what came after because it was a very long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But learning that first round of information from PETA instigated a a personal journey for myself to learn more Mm -hmm. and really dive into it. And the information that I learned throughout the next few years about the other industries which I was still Mm -hmm. supporting... Um, so again, we had cut out meat, but we were still having dairy and mm-hmm. eggs and milk products at home. Yeah. Um, as, as we all know, it became very clear that the reasons my family had become vegetarian to be consuming any kind of animal product mm-hmm. directly, 
negated okay. all of those reasons. Yeah. So I became vegan, and that was probably over 10 years, actually, after my initial switch to vegetarian, and then I'll have my 10-year vegan anniversary at the end of this year. Wow, that's a yeah. long time. Yeah. Are you going to throw a party? Chances are high that there will be yeah. an event of some kind, <laughs> given my, my past patterns. Yeah. yeah. Um, some some kind of party, some celebration, probably a fundraiser. Yeah. I I think that it's actually pretty rare that we we know vegans who have been doing it that long. Mm-hmm. Um, but we exist, and I think it's important to honor and talk about, especially because for any folks who might be critical or skeptical, yeah, it it serves to reiterate the point that we. We can survive, yeah, and yes. you're alive, and I'm alive, <laughs> and, and doing very well, <laughs> yeah. um, and intend to continue. Yeah. So that's, that's so cool that your yeah. whole family went vegetarian. They did. They did. I, uh, to be completely honest, I wish I could say that they stayed okay. vegetarian. Yeah. Um, some members did, and some shifted okay. away. Yeah. All right. Was that tough? Yes. Process. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And and still is. Yeah. So I have I always need to give my mother shout outs and mm-hmm. credit. Mm-hmm. Um my mother is incredible. My mother is still vegetarian mm-hmm. and would definitely call herself an animal activist okay. and is someone who I've been having many, many years of conversations mm-hmm. with about some of the reasons why Okay. Um, activist, animal activist, and vegetarian have a bit of um, icky in between right. where yeah. they intersect. Yeah. Uh, my brother is a new vegan as of about a year ago. That's awesome. Which we're very excited about. <laughs> um, and then I have two sisters. Um, mm-hmm. One of which is vegetarian, and then my other sister is not any of the above. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting mix. Yeah. Family dinners must be entertaining. <laughs> yes. We, when we have them with everyone together, mm-hmm. we have now arrived at a point where we have maybe two or three different situations yeah. happening. Um, but for the members of the family who, st- who still consume animals, yeah. um, we have come to a consensus that we, we will not have those at the table yeah. on the nights when when we're there because there are well there are so many options yeah Yeah. there are so many options and when it comes down to it it's not a huge ask Mm -hmm. to take an animal product exactly (laughs) exactly yeah people some people not like talking about your family specifically yeah Yeah. like it seems like some people think of meat as oxygen like they'll die if they don't have it like people who complain if they're going to like a friend's wedding that's going to be all vegan yeah which i've seen people like ranting about Mm -hmm. (laughs) so which is ironic because meat is threatening our oxygen yeah (laughs) literally Literally. in a huge huge way yeah yeah i think I think for a lot of folks, they do have a very, 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 very strong and significant reaction to being questioned about meat Mm -hmm. and animal products. And I truly believe that one of the reasons why that happens is because 
for many people, it might be the first time that anyone in their life Mm -hmm. has actually challenged that. Mm -hmm. And the first time anyone has challenged the concept of eating animals or their secretions in general. Because, I mean, I I was at a high school today. Mm-hmm. giving a presentation about factory farming mm-hmm. and had this lovely moment of remembering my days in high school where there was there was no discussion about factory farming mm-hmm. there was no discussion about food there was no critical thinking really offered about mm-hmm. about food in general so Obviously, that has shifted because there's a lot of new things happening in the education system. But again, I think that a lot of the time when that strong reaction happens, it's because it's the first time, Mm -hmm. it's really unexpected, and that individual is all of a sudden getting a huge wake-up call to everything that they spent their life up until that point Mm -hmm. thinking was okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that's tough. Yeah. That is. I um, I think I had just graduated from UBC, so this was, this was like around 2010, and I don't know how it got organized, but somehow me, my mom, and my brother were at a high school on the island, mm-hmm. and I was giving a talk about food, agriculture, and climate change. And the school was, like, in Saanichton. It was, like, in the middle of farmland mm-hmm. mm-hmm. country. Right in the core. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So some of these yep. kids were just like, what the fuck are you talking what about? What grade were you in? I think I had just finished UBC. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it feels, like, so long ago now. But, um, yeah, they were just, some of them were just, like, not having it. And they're like, what are my parents supposed to do for work? And like, yeah. so there's that whole like conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. High That's schools brave are, of you. Yeah. Very brave. Yeah. Especially in that place. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I do think, and I imagine we're going to chat about it more, that the conversations around what will my parents do for work and mm-hmm. or if, you know, if we talk about... Mm-hmm the abolitionist movement and we want to see all slaughterhouses closed yeah. mm-hmm. and all dairy farms closed and all egg farms closed what what do we do with all the humans who mm-hmm. depend on those industries for work mm-hmm. yeah i think that is a valid question mm-hmm. i also think it's accurate to say though we would really love it all of that is not going to happen overnight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every single facility in the world which yeah. oppresses animals is yeah. not going to close overnight. Yeah. And when people ask questions similar to that, mm-hmm. I reference something like the cigarette industry mm-hmm. and the fact that it was and still is a gradual process mm-hmm. yeah. to shift away from a time where thousands of people were dependent on that industry for jobs Mm -hmm. and then we learned a little bit more about it and how it was very detrimental yeah and then things started to shift around and it wasn't an overnight and it will never be for any any major change yeah i agree and it's kind of like the same like we usually go to the um like when that topic comes up and that question is asked we like to bring up the universal basic income Mm -hmm. as well because it's very similar to the same threats as um, automation and Mm -hmm. all the jobs that are being lost and yes there'll be new jobs 
but there is usually like that gap of like jobs aren't guaranteed Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and there might not be like a safe transition period for everyone so like a really like easy like for us just to refer to like universal basic income as an option or just to at least open that dialogue and how beneficial that would be for the vegan movement and for people to safely transition out of those jobs while they start a new job Mm -hmm. and find something else yeah because it's easy to say like to a dairy farmer oh stop doing that like just grow chickpeas instead well it's like logistically and like uh like the reality of doing that they're gonna need some support to make it easier and there probably are like animal agriculture farmers out there who are either seeing the declining sales or Mm -hmm. realizing and like having a change of heart and wanting to get out of like their generations old like family business um so yeah i just i want them to feel like they can easily do that Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah it's like you know it's a human issue as well as i'm sure you can agree that that's something that we also care about as as vegans and Mm -hmm want to make sure and how can we as vegans and how can we as people doing outreach help facilitate that process so there is a fantastic organization in the states called free from harm and this is a nonprofit that number one tells the stories of farmers who have transitioned from animal ag um, Mm -hmm. to other crops such as vegetables Mm -hmm. and number two it also offers resources so folks can contact free from harm um, and free from harm will then recommend resources or organizations in their respective areas that can help build the process nice that's so good to know and like a few years ago well quite a few years ago (laughs) um, i watched this documentary called the real dirt on farmer john Mm -hmm. and this was a story about a guy who came from like a very conventional in terms of like um using pesticides and like synthetic fertilizers and and stuff like that so that type of farm was in his family and so when he took it over he didn't want to do it that way so this movie is like his story from switching to like an organic like small or not small scale but like more mixed uh farm rather than like mono like a large monocrop farm mm-hmm. but i'd love to see like all the stories of the people that switch from animal farming to yeah. vegetable farming all the success stories yeah. there's so there's tons on the website and then okay. i actually learned about this documentary which i have not seen but it tells the so- the story rather of jay wild um and he he is a farmer based okay. in England. He was a dairy farmer. And essentially one day he had a grand epiphany. He he just, you know, looked at what he was doing and realized that that things were not as they should mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. Um, all of his cows went to a sanctuary and, and now he works Aww. with vegetables. So that documentary is called 73 Cows. Okay. And there's actually a lot of stories online. Yeah. Um, which describe farmers who experience similar things. It's an epiphany. It's mm-hmm. kind of out of mm-hmm. the blue where they just have a, a sudden realization yeah. that what they've been doing and what they've known their whole lives yeah. is is not the only option. Yeah. I like hearing stories like that. Yeah. Very inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's so positive. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so farmer support. Yeah. Because we don't want them to... You know, yeah. 
not just not have a business anymore. Yeah. So it's actually something. Are we? St- are we? Yeah, still? we're still going. Something um, I did. This this will maybe not be pertinent because it's for the event on October second. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but something I actually did for that event, mm-hmm. which is the screening of a vegan movie, I reached out to a couple of local companies who frame themselves as ethical meat companies. Okay. Oh. And invited them to come. Okay. And the reason I I did that, yeah. also acknowledging that fundamentally I, you know, I disagree with mm-hmm. what they do and the fact that they are making profit mm-hmm. off of dead animals. Yeah. But s- kind of similar to what I said about farmers before, yeah. I believe that when you sit down at the table with what we can call the opposition. Yeah. yeah. I believe there may be opportunity there mm-hmm. to start some mm-hmm. conversations. Yeah. It's safe to say that, you know, those folks will not leave the table as vegans. And mm-hmm. obviously I will leave the table <laughs> exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I just think it's, it is important okay. to consider all sides of the conversation, yeah. even the ones that you don't agree with. Yeah. Yeah. And I think as, as controversial as it may be to say... I think that in some regards, we, being Mm -hmm. vegans, actually have more similarities to farmers Mm -hmm. than we may assume Mm -hmm. or than meets the eye. And I think that because of what we're doing and the intensity of what we're doing and the inherent emotions associated Mm -hmm. with it, Mm -hmm. on our side... And also on the side of someone within the farming industry, mm-hmm. we don't often get opportunities to perhaps sit down face to face and just have a conversation. Yeah. So, you know, while I don't anticipate that that will obviously solve every issue, mm-hmm. I think that there may be some opportunities to delve into some of those similarities yeah, yeah. And see if maybe some shifts can start happening yeah. based on them. Yeah. Obviously, orchestrating that is is another piece. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a think really good point and yeah. really important. And like even when you see the videos of like vegan activists when they do have those conversations that are like filmed with farmers, some of those conversations are like pretty amazing mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. just see the conversation evolve from like I have to do this this is my way of living this is how it's always been done to I actually do feel really bad when I kill the animals and Mm -hmm. it's really hard on me and maybe there is another way Mm -hmm. so yeah like you said I think those conversations are so important Yeah, yeah, it's definitely I mean as much as we want it to happen overnight (laughs) yeah it is going to be like a slow uh, transition to a A more vegan world. And more vegan businesses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I actually think if we if we put ourselves in positions where we can maybe reassess or redevelop our relationships with farmers, mm-hmm. again, acknowledging that when, when I say farmers, this is not accounting for every farmer yeah. in the world on yeah. every single farm yeah. where we are oppressing animals. Yeah. I think that when we consider that shift Mm -hmm. it will be instrumental that we have farmers 
within that conversation who are on our side and who are in support mm-hmm. of what we're doing because yeah. if we're talking about shifting out these industries yeah. a major piece of that is going to require knowledge about farming yes. and about farmland and yeah. about caring for farmland yeah. Yeah. and the, the the numbers around farming I don't know about that yeah I know some of it yeah but you need people on your team who have who have really specific sets of knowledge totally. and skills. Yes. And it's them, yeah. unless there's a whole colony yeah. of vegan farmers, in which case. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Are you out there? <laughs> if you are, come forward. Yeah. <laughs> I did it for one season, and man, it's hard work. It's really hard. <laughs> yeah. 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 I have crazy respect for vegetable farmers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lots of work. Yeah. Um, so we talked about like your friends and families mm-hmm. and if they've gone vegan or di- we didn't really talk about your friends. So any, like, were there other vegetarians in your high school and did you have support that way? So at, again, it's, it's challenging for me to talk specifically about yeah. the high school days because it. <laughs> They were many, many years ago. Yeah. <laughs> what I what I would like to acknowledge, and I know it's not the case for mm-hmm. every student who is making a lifestyle shift in high school, mm-hmm. I would like to acknowledge that I had a family who was supportive and a family who was on board. Yeah. And again, it's not the case for everyone. For a lot of high school kids, they experience a lot of pushback mm-hmm. from their parents. Mm-hmm. I understand why, but I also think that um, there are some major challenges that kids face, especially. I do like that there are a lot of organizations and programs who are addressing that Mm -hmm. and who are doing work in schools uh, to work with the schools and or one-on-one with the students um, in helping them have those conversations with their families. But... I don't really think there was anything like that at my time. Mm-hmm. So I acknowledge my gratitude in yeah. that my, my family was very supportive. And then friends, I would say now the the majority of my close friends are vegan. But I also have some very, very dear friends in my life still mm-hmm. who are not. That That is challenging mm-hmm. because they're very aware of who I am and Mm -hmm. what I stand for. They are very respectful of it in the fact that most of the time, if we're out together, Mm -hmm. we'll be at a vegan restaurant. Mm -hmm. If we're having something at one of our homes, most of the time it's vegan. But I would say there is always a part of me within those situations which is surprised mm-hmm. yeah because i feel like i'm very forward about yeah. who i am and what i do mm-hmm. and i like to present a lot of information mm-hmm. and my hope is that everyone yeah. around me would respond to that yeah. but as we know that's a bit idealistic mm-hmm. so i believe and i believe in acknowledging small yeah. steps uh, so my hope for the non-vegans in my life is that those small steps will keep on building and then eventually we'll find ourselves 
all vegan. Do they seem at the to table. be like open and wanting to make like? Because I have some non-vegan friends, yeah. they have different reasons that they give. But um, what have you found is like the main reason? Like for the people who do know what's going on, like obviously they they're hearing it from you. Mm-hmm. They're not totally ignorant to the facts. Mm-hmm. What do you think it is that is stopping them from fully making that? change to be to be completely honest Mm -hmm. I don't know Mm -hmm. and to be further honest I have never explicitly asked okay so something that I have seen Mm -hmm. come up in conversation is the fact that there has been a great reduction in meat and animal products so there may be comments or conversations around um you know, I'm not I'm not buying animal products for the house anymore. But if I go out, I I may have something, but I, but I'm not okay. bringing them home. Yeah. So I will get comments like that a lot. Okay. Which I of course mm-hmm. celebrate yeah. and encourage. But yeah, I've I've never explicitly said mm-hmm. why. Okay. Like, what yeah. is the barrier here? Yeah. yeah. How are we going to get over it? I'm always curious about that. Yeah. But it's so delicate to I know. ask because there's I know. always, like, the, you know, being offended and yeah. Yeah. possibly jeopardizing a friendship. That's really important. And yeah. So. And and that's, that's, par- that's one of the risks in asking. Mm-hmm. And I have a lot of respect for people who have taken the Liberation Pledge. Yeah. Um, so the Liberation Pledge uh, is a, a worldwide pledge, you can sign up online, in which you commit to not sitting at a table mm. or you know being in any uh, social meal situation yeah. in which animals or animal products are being consumed in any capacity. And then the second piece of the mm-hmm. pledge is that if you are, you either leave the table or you have a moment of discussion in which you state why you are not in support of it. Mm-hmm. And as you can imagine, taking this pledge inevitably means that if you are a human with non-vegan family or friends, which most of us still yeah, have, yeah. Yeah. Um, it means that you will not be having meal time with mm-hmm. them, which inevitably for some folks I think leads to a lot of confusion and conflict. Yeah, for sure. So... I think that there is a lot of strength in stating your values and also being very direct with friends and family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it it can also come at a great cost. For sure. Sometimes. Yeah. So it's a bit sticky. Yeah. It's tough. Um, would you say, like, having people that you care about around you not be vegan is one of the more challenging aspects of being vegan? Or, like... In your experience, what has been the challenging part? Yes. So I would say that's definitely one big chunk of it. Mm-hmm. I think uh, in in general, but also in relationship to something like Meet the Victims mm-hmm. or any significant, um, you know, very dramatic and emotional um, animal activism mm-hmm. event. Okay. Because I think that 
when we're having conversations with non-vegan family and friends about those situations and about the impact of those situations on us as activists, Mm -hmm. they can be very supportive Mm -hmm. and they will offer sympathy, but they can only really offer to a certain point because there's still a fundamental difference Mm -hmm. of ethics there. Yeah. Which becomes very obvious. Yeah. I think... A second challenge, which I experienced at the beginning of veganism, but not so much now because now I'm older and wiser and much more outspoken, (laughs) (laughs) I feel that animal activists, and I don't think this is the case with uh, perhaps folks who call themselves environmental activists or folks who are speaking about human rights, I feel like animal activists always are under this notion that they need to be communicating in a particular way. Mm -hmm. They need to be, uh, quote-unquote, respectful. They need to be not over the top. They need to keep in mind that everyone has different life choices. Mm -hmm. There's kind of this Mm -hmm. set of etiquette and guidelines, and I don't see those same guidelines being applied to other areas in which people are standing up for something and expressing their passions. Yeah, and it just, it wouldn't hold up on those other ones. For some reason, in particular, because we're fighting for animals, we just get shit on all the time Mm -hmm. for it. (laughs) Or or we we get labeled, one of my favorite words is extreme. Yeah. yeah. You know, look at these extreme animal activists. And... When it comes down to it, though within that context, it's being implied as a negative, Mm -hmm. extreme is one of the most appropriate words that we can be using Mm -hmm. because what we're talking about and what we're trying to raise awareness about is very, very extreme. So why would our messaging and the way that we carry ourselves be anything less? Mm -hmm. Because it is extreme and it deserves to get attention. Yeah. Yeah. It's so extreme that, like, people can't watch their food being made. Yeah. And they can't do it themselves. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, so it has to happen behind closed doors. It's pretty extreme to be burning down the Amazon rainforest to make room for crops to feed the cattle. Mm. There's so many extremes that are going on. So, like you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is it's the right thing. It's the right thing. Yeah. And I think for for someone, not everyone, depending on your personality type, but mm-hmm. I think for someone um, coming into the movement and, mm-hmm. you know, really developing their identity as an activist, getting that pushback and constantly encountering that, you know, rules of etiquette, if we may Mm -hmm. call them that, Mm -hmm. I think that can be very intimidating. And I think that especially for younger activists who are in their really formative years, they need to be getting the opposite. Mm -hmm. They need Mm -hmm. to be taught that your voice is important, you have a right to use it, Mm -hmm. and you also have a right to use it however you see fit Mm -hmm. to talk about what you want to talk about. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I would also (laughs) say... It's important to acknowledge, you know, taking into account what I just said, Mm -hmm. that I think activism has a really broad definition. And I think that when we talk about activism 
in regards to animals or in general, Mm -hmm. it can also present itself in a wide variety of ways. Mm -hmm. And I believe that someone can be an activist Mm -hmm. and be very loud and Mm -hmm. outspoken and bold. Um, And we may also have an activist who is quieter and a bit Mm -hmm. more soft-spoken. And that doesn't necessarily indicate that one of them is more effective. Um, That set of guidelines is more so about, I'd say, censorship Mm-hmm. and kind of general behavior and the fact that we only receive that yeah. not not the other groups yeah. of folks yeah. yeah um do you have a favorite type of animal activism or vegan advocacy that you like or do you like using different types i have i really like many okay. but i i've kind of honed it down to two okay and that's after putting in many years of of activism and putting in many different kinds and Mm -hmm, formats. So the first one, when it comes to outreach, I have become quite a fan of listening and asking questions. Mm -hmm, Okay. um, A lot more than I'm talking. So more listening, less talking on my part. And I feel like that is very effective because if you give a person, let's say on the street, mm-hmm. you know, they're walking by, they're seeing imagery of a factory farm for the first time. If you have a conversation with them in which you let them speak first, mm-hmm. you let them speak about how they react to the footage, you let them speak about their relationship to food, mm-hmm. you let them speak about their relationship to animals. I'd say 99% of the time, in listening to them and letting them explain their experiences, you will pick up on the one thing or the two things that yeah. you can then respond with, okay. which are going to resonate the most. Yeah. Because a strategy that I observe in a lot of activists is the fact that they may go to an outreach event mm-hmm. and they will go in, you know hot and heavy Mm -hmm. and they will have an agenda and they will have every single thing planned out that they're going to say but if you use that blanket approach Mm -hmm. to engage with the public you're you're gonna you're gonna have a very very low success rate Mm -hmm. yeah you will get you will get all the information and all the hints that you need to resonate with Mm -hmm. someone from that person almost every time yeah and i would say the second piece is is showing by example and not necessarily telling Mm -hmm. and I think a great way that we do that nowadays is social media so whether it's talking about food Mm -hmm. whether it's bearing witness at a vigil and many other things Mm -hmm. it's showing and giving people the opportunity to see it Mm -hmm. and learn about it who otherwise wouldn't have had that opportunity and some people are going to stick with you and they're going to engage and they're going to get more involved mm-hmm. and some people are going to go the other direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like that you brought that up like listening to what might resonate with the person most because not everyone is going to be inspired to change or want to make changes to their diet from seeing like factory farm footage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is going to like 
care about the Amazon being burnt down. Not everyone's going to care about like, oh, there are vegan bodybuilders, but everyone will resonate with one of those. So finding out like what it is, because some people just, yeah, they just very strongly view animals as products and that they're here for us. So they're not going to like care. No. (laughs) They're not going to care about what happens on the farms. No. But maybe they're like a football player. And if you Mm -hmm. start talking about like all the vegan football players. And how like the recovery. Yeah. Yeah. And like the benefits of good blood flow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, they are. There are a few. We all saw them. (laughs) Yeah. So it's so true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So finding like what would inspire someone or motivate mm. them to like kind of get into this journey or on this path I think mm-hmm. is super important. One of yeah. one of my favorite questions when I do outreach mm-hmm. is asking someone what, you know, what is your relationship to animal products in food? Yeah. What animal products do you eat? How often do you eat them? Mm-hmm. Have you done that since you were a kid? Mm-hmm. Tell me more about mm-hmm. it. And the beautiful thing that will happen most of the time is someone will, you know, present their their backstory and they'll do a little bit of justification yeah. mm-hmm. because obviously they're aware of present company. But a lot of folks are already aware mm-hmm. and are thinking about food and are thinking about animal products. Yeah. And you can tell there's a bit of existing realization mm-hmm. that something is not sitting well with them about Mm -hmm, it. mm -hmm. And if you can get them to acknowledge that, then you can jump in with that point. As opposed to walking up to someone, knowing nothing about their history, and saying, you need to cut out every single animal product and be vegan now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because that will push certain people the majority yeah yeah (laughs) for some people they'll hear that and they're gonna be like i'm gonna eat twice as much yeah yeah totally vegans yep yeah oh yes those people exist (laughs) yeah yeah um have you ever seen the brazilian sausage prank video no okay it's really (laughs) old i watched what a title yeah i know wait till you hear it though like okay um it's it was probably on TV in, like, the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, I first saw it, yeah, probably, like, 10 years ago or 15 years I ago. I don't know. It, it was, like, one of, like, the something Brazilian that I saw. Thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. But Liv Kindly just shared it, so I watched it again. And actually, when I teach vegan nutrition uh, classes, I show it <laughs> or I at least, like, talk about it. So this guy's in a grocery store. He's, like, the chef, and he's, like, giving out samples of sausage. And people are trying it. They're loving it. They want to buy the sausage. He's, like, yeah, you want some? You want to buy some? Yeah. And they're, like, yeah, yeah. And there's, like, this box on a table that's, like, a grinder. And so he goes, he starts grinding, he starts cranking it first, and, like, the pieces of sausage come out. Yes. And then it, it like, runs out. He's, like, oh, just wait. And he goes and he picks up a little piglet. Yes. Alive. Puts it in the box and starts, like, grinding it again. But before he can even get it in the box, every single person starts yelling no. Yeah. And being, and he's like, well, what do you think you just ate? That was his mom that you just ate. Yeah. (laughs) And, like, just seeing the reactions, like, one lady, like, hits him 
to stop him, but like, what do they think they were eating? Well, they don't think about it. <laughs> they don't I think, didn't about, think it. about it really either. Yeah. I just thought it was so normal. I didn't, and even yeah. having you as my sister <laughs> and being around a vegetarian and vegan for so many years yeah. growing up, and I still was like, Ma, that's she's doesn't like eating this food I do like eating this food like I never really thought much about like what I was contributing to Mm -hmm. I I think for I mean for the majority we we just don't think about it Mm -hmm. because we're we're taught not to think about it yeah so when we when we sit down you know if we grew up in a household where we were eating Mm -hmm. meat you are given beef Mm -hmm. or you're given pork Mm -hmm. The, the language within the meat industry yeah. is also very misleading because yeah. we grow up knowing that beef is beef. We don't automatically know that beef is from a dead cow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we don't automatically know that pork is from a dead pig. Mm-hmm. So we're very misled mm-hmm. as a society in general mm-hmm. from the beginning. Yeah. And the second piece is that I think there are still many people who believe and this is a sentiment that's reinforced by many industries mm-hmm. and organizations mm-hmm. that certain animals are just meant for certain things. Yeah. And therefore, they assign them less value. Mm-hmm. They believe that, um, you know, they are not as intelligent. They believe that they do not feel in the same way yeah. that other animals and humans feel. Mm-hmm. And therefore, they dismiss them yeah. in a way that they would not dismiss animals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm that they may coexist with mm-hmm. yeah. on a regular basis. And mm-hmm. I think that in the Brazilian um, prank. sausage, <laughs> sausage yeah. prank, sausage prank <laughs> yeah. it's, it's also very interesting to observe folks and the way they respond yeah. to baby animals yeah. Yeah. versus adult animals. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's something that we see reiterated at petting zoos or any event where Mm -hmm. there is, you know, let's say a mother pig and her baby Mm -hmm. pigs. It's something we see reiterated in kids' books Mm -hmm. and kids' movies is that we'll have these super, you know, cute characters Mm -hmm. of all these baby animals, but at Mm -hmm. the same time, a lot of those kids are still consuming animal products on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a lot of inconsistency happening there yeah. too. There's yeah. a very deliberately made disconnect mm-hmm. that we have been taught, like you said, to just not even think about it or mm-hmm. consider them. And that's why we're here. Yeah. Yes. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay. So different types of activism. So if someone isn't going to go like stand in front of a farm or do like the more like like that type of activism Mm -hmm. what can they do as a vegan just to help like promote the lifestyle i think the number uh the number one thing Mm -hmm. which i touched on before something that everyone can do is is to talk about it Mm -hmm. um so that's talking to your friends it's talking to your family it's talking to your coworkers if you feel comfortable mm-hmm. and yeah. it is appropriate. Yeah. A tier above that, I would say talk about it online. Mm-hmm. Social media is mm-hmm. is not a perfect communication tool, but we are at this really beautiful time where we have access to information and we have access to share 
information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the fact that we can now literally get inside slaughterhouses, see what is happening, and showcase that yeah. to yeah. a huge, huge audience, that's major. Yeah. And that gives us that gives us a lot of power mm-hmm. and a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I think when we're talking about more conventional on the street activism, mm-hmm. especially in a city like Vancouver, if someone does want to get involved in that capacity, there are a lot of different formats and mm-hmm. a lot of different groups to complement a lot of different personality types. So you may have something like a, a Vancouver Chicken Save vigil and bearing witness. Mm-hmm. So that may be for someone who is not ready to engage with the public, but wants okay. to connect with animals, wants to see animals um, at, at a slaughterhouse mm-hmm. and wants to honor that. I would say, you know, a cube of truth or a format similar to that, that is appropriate for people who do want to engage with the public, mm-hmm. or if they're not quite there yet, um, they can be part of the volunteers who are holding the screens mm-hmm. or holding the TVs. Okay. I would say if someone really wants to get loud, mm-hmm. there are opportunities to do that too. There are events, there are protests, which mm-hmm. involve the more traditional, you know, holding signs, yeah. mm-hmm. yelling, shouting passionately Mm -hmm. so I think when it comes down to it there's a type of activism for everyone Mm -hmm. I think that there's also a lot of activism in in what we do already Mm -hmm. so what I mean by that is that if you're a plumber and you're vegan and you're a vegan plumber you are an activist in some capacity because you are taking out your message into your work and hopefully spreading that to to your clients. So I think that there's a lot of potential to diversify the way that we have regarded Mm -hmm. activism Mm -hmm. and really open it up to a lot of different people Mm -hmm. because certain parts of it won't resonate for everyone, which Mm -hmm. is fine, but that doesn't automatically mean that you can't be an activist yeah and you can't be an effective one beautifully said yeah yeah Dang. That's <laughs> i would um if there's a vegan plumber out there yeah. Yeah. <laughs> vegan plumbers want to just slowly uh talk about the analogy between the person's clogged uh pipes oh, and yeah. their clogged yes. arteries <laughs> yes yes exactly just work that in there somehow just casually yeah yes <laughs> Well, it's, yeah. I mean, v- vegans, vegans are everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We are, we are business owners. We are event producers. We are in the trades. We yeah. are teachers. We are designers. We are performers. We are mm-hmm. artists. We are chefs. And the yeah. list continues and yeah. continues. So if you think about all of those humans engaging in their, you know, day-to-day lives yeah. and, you know, doing their, executing their professional yeah. capacities, that's a huge, huge mm-hmm. piece of activism as yeah. it stands. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a brand new course at Capilano College, Capilano University on veganism. Yes, and there I just is. spoke to their class yes. last Thursday. Yes. So it was a nice like little group and yeah, I just really gave them like the how to 
be like a healthy vegan and to be able to sustain it Mm -hmm. long term so everybody in the class was vegan Mm, I don't know but they were all interested in it like I think the course is an elective maybe so like they were all there because they were interested in it for themselves nice Mm -hmm. yeah and what was was there a Q&A period yeah my talk kind of ran to the end because okay. I was answering questions during the presentation. Okay. Um, but yeah, there <laughs> there should have been more time at the end mm-hmm. um, for question and answer. Something yeah. I'm really curious about. Yeah. In in a situation like that where you're presenting to a yeah. a group who you know may be coming to the vegan conversation from many different points, mm-hmm. is if there's ever a theme in the questions that are asked, or if there's yeah. kind of one area that people seem to be more curious about over another? Um, Well, I mean, the course is divided into, like, health, environment, and animal rights. And so mine was strictly on the health part. So the questions were, like, about iron absorption and, like, protein and iodine and stuff like that. So probably in the other um, sections there'll be, like, more of a variety. Mm -hmm. Of questions. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny, like, the heme iron from animal products was always thought to be superior because it's, like, absorbed easier. But now, like, more and more research is showing out, sh- coming out about how oxidative it is. So it actually, like, causes free radical damage in your body. And oh. the impossible burger in the states it's not in canada it's not one that i would try um but they put heme iron in it oh Oh. it's like get with the program (laughs) just to make it more because that's yeah yeah but you can't even taste that yeah i don't know maybe they think it gives it like a bloodier taste or something i don't know well, that, that I was like so confused by that. I was like, well, the research is coming out about how damaging that type of iron is now. <laughs> that that burger has been getting some interesting f- feedback. Yeah, around it. Yeah, is it out in the states? Do you know? I believe it's out in okay. the states. I don't know to what to what extent. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's available at some restaurants. I don't know if it's actually okay. on the market. Okay. Um. I haven't tried it yet. Yeah. I know that there have been a lot of conversations mm-hmm. around the Impossible Burger and around um, the relationship of animal testing yeah, in the development that too. of that burger. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know yeah. about that. Yes. Yeah. So I I have not read extensively on mm-hmm. it, so I, I don't want to state mm-hmm. any conclusions, yeah. but I do know that there are many... Uh, vegans who mm-hmm. are choosing to not have it yeah. um, because yeah. animal testing has been implicated right. in its yeah. creation. Right. I know I've heard like like I won't have I don't want to have it strictly based on the ingredients. Yeah. But I've heard two schools of thought about it, and like one is like oh they tested on animals, it's not vegan, so I'm not gonna have it. And then the other one was like, well yeah that was unfortunate, but think about it on the bigger scale and how many more animals like it will save in the long run if people start switching to that from beef so yeah I don't know I've heard both but (laughs) I I see I see both sides Mm -hmm. 
do I think it's unfortunate, incredibly unfortunate, yeah. that they chose to use animal testing at a time when yeah. there <laughs> is a multitude of technologies and options? Yeah. 100% yes. Yeah. At the same time, I think we can all agree that with the development mm-hmm. of that product, mm-hmm. it means that a percentage of people will be choosing that burger yeah. over yeah. a burger which has taken the life of a cow. Mm-hmm. So there are benefits there. And people talk about, like, the Impossible Burger and, like, Beyond Burger as being comparable. It's not when you look at the ingredients. So Beyond is less freaky? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I like that term. That term usage. But uh, still doesn't make me feel good. (laughs) Yeah, I don't always feel great after the Beyond Burgers. They're so damn good. (laughs) They are. And they're, they're very readily. Yeah. Yes. And that was That's and that was one of the neat things I chatted about today. Um, I was at Hansworth doing a presentation, and one of the slides at the end of the presentation talks about the fact that veganism is is very accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, we can go to many different communities, yeah. many different restaurants, and have options for a wide, wide yeah. range of price points. Yeah. And for high school kids who, you know, are at a stage where maybe they're not earning completely yeah. their own income yet um it's it's inaccessible and yeah. very popular it's like if you're gonna choose something unhealthy might as well yeah. choose the the better the better the better version. option <laughs> yeah they had um th- many minds were blown but there's one um point in the presentation which talks about the fact that a peanut butter and jam sandwich made on whole wheat bread has higher protein content <laughs> than a McDonald's burger and the class just went just went silent really? yeah I'm like that's right <laughs> yeah take that in get your peanut butter yeah. <laughs> I've been loving peanut butter lately oh, oh yes so good yes so good. I've been loving the new it almond I was just yeah. gonna say new it yeah my my heart will always be with peanuts oh, yeah. yeah but that new it almond butter it's so damn good on I top know. of a zing bar <laughs> is my favorite yeah. chocolate yeah Ooh. that's next level yeah yeah well, we talked about like the most challenging part of being vegan. What do you think is the least challenging? Transitioning. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think it is I think that there are a lot of misconceptions around transitioning um in that it is it is hard in that it is expensive in that it means that you are going to have to only buy your groceries from one specific store and it's an hour away. I think that we're at a really, really beautiful time to become vegan Mm -hmm. because you can go into any grocery store, Mm -hmm. any supermarket, regardless of where you live, what your budget for groceries Mm -hmm. may be, and you can get vegan food. Yeah. Um, that includes, you know, Safeway, it includes Superstore, it includes Whole Foods if yeah. you want to mm-hmm. spend more. It includes the, the dollar store. Yeah. There is a fantastic group that does vegan outreach in Seattle, and part of their event display is actually uh, an entire grocery bag's worth of vegan food products yeah. from the dollar store. Wow. So, again, wow. acknowledging that... You know, it may not necessarily be all the components mm-hmm. of a balanced vegan yeah. 
diet, mm-hmm. but it's it's readily available. Yeah. And I would say number two, not only is food available, but information is available. Yeah. And that kind of jumps back to the role that social media has mm-hmm. been playing in this. And I would say that we're out of time now where most of us, though not all of us, mm-hmm. have access to the internet and we have access mm-hmm. to social media and Google. Yeah. And we all kind of know what's happening. Mm-hmm. It has it has now become very obvious. And the fact that we have that knowledge means that we have an opportunity to act based upon yeah. it. And I would say that's one of the frustrating pieces of veganism is that we know that people know. Yeah. The majority of people know. Yeah, yeah. it's so hard. So if you know people know and they're not making changes mm-hmm. based on that knowledge, why? Mm-hmm. Why? And that's where a lot of frustration can come yeah. in, I think, yeah. especially with close family family members yeah. and friends too for sure yeah um with all the activities that you are involved with <laughs> either going to or planning yourself you're everywhere all you're the time everywhere. <laughs> do you have a clone running around somewhere no not that i'm aware of <laughs> It's been considered, though. Yeah. Um, like, tell us about some of those events, and are there any coming up, like, at the end of October or November mm-hmm. that you want to share about? Yes. So I I wear a couple of different hats. Okay. Um, in no particular order. So number one, I founded and run a project called the Vancouver Vegan Resource Center. So... Nice. That is a space that you have visited. Yes. Um, I love And the Resource Center is a space where folks can come, whether or not they are, you know, a 10-year vegan like myself, Mm -hmm. someone in the middle who might just be learning about it, or maybe someone right at the other end who thinks that veganism is ridiculous and doesn't understand it. This is a space where they can all walk in the door, they can get information, they can borrow resources, they can ask questions and they can feel supported for whatever reason they came in. So right now the resource center operates on a pop-up basis and we also do events and we also do workshops. So the next one is going to be coming up at the end of October at Little Mountain Shop. Um, I will say there will be a Halloween component to it, though I can't, I can't share more beyond that. (laughs) Um, and then in January with Little Mountain Shop as well, we usually do a Veganuary edition of the Resource Center. So that will be happening. Um, number two, I do freelance event production and coordination. Um, every year I do an event called the Very Vegan Thanksgiving, So that is bringing together as many of the vegan chefs from the city as I can um, to create this incredible multi-course vegan Thanksgiving meal to raise funds for um, an animal rescue project or a rescued individual. Mm -hmm. Um, I produce the Animal Justice Holiday Party. So there are a couple of those all across Canada. We have the Vancouver one happening at the end of November. And 
I also do work with FFAC, which is the mm-hmm. Factory Farming Awareness Coalition. So we do a lot of presentations, um, mostly in high schools, but also in universities. Okay. So a couple okay. of those coming up um, at Cap College as well and at UBC. And I imagine there will be many other things that pop up in between now and the yeah. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. So if people wow. wanted to find you online and f- see all the events that you're putting on and find out more information and how to get involved or get in touch with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Best way is Instagram. And I've chosen Instagram because it's a great way where you can kind of funnel all the information and funnel Mm -hmm. all of the projects into one central place. Mm -hmm. So on Instagram, I am Zoe Marg. So it's Z-O-E-M-A-R-G. Awesome. Um, Do you have any uh, last tips that you want to share with um, maybe like new vegans or new um, animal activists if they're not sure about where to start or what type of activism to get into? Yes. So tips, tips for new vegans. Mm -hmm. I would say get resources, talk to people and ask questions because I think that the more information you can arm yourself with, um, the higher a success rate that you will have. Mm -hmm. And I think that talking to people who have been doing it for a long time um, can only be a positive thing. Try a lot Mm -hmm. of things, be open to things. You might try some foods that you love and some foods that you hate, but really, really take time to educate yourself, gather the resources, and figure out a way you can do it that's going to serve you and, and also help you do it for the long term. And then for new animal activists, I would say try a little bit of everything. And the reason I say that, I think that inherently we will always be drawn to something. Mm -hmm. But if you try different formats of activism, often you find that you might have a skill set or a part of your personality Mm -hmm. that actually is very, very strong within that particular type of activism. So I'd say try different things, and I would also say that it can be very, very inspiring, but also overwhelming to start activism for the first time, because you you're kind of you have become awakened mm-hmm. to all of this information and all of these situations, and it's very easy to get into a space where you feel compelled to be at every single event, mm-hmm. every single day always posting online, Mm -hmm. always talking about it, and there is a great deal of burnout. And I think one way that you avoid that is by acknowledging and remembering that no successful animal activist needs to be doing it Mm -hmm. every day, all the time. The amount of activism you do is not equated with how effective you are. So I think remembering that when you do want to dive into animal activism, or any type of animal, uh, any type of activism rather, to maintain and honor the fact that you have a right to also keep balance. And you're jumping into something that's going to be intense and rewarding, but also very challenging um, and very upsetting at times. So be prepared for that and remember that if you need to take a step back, um, it doesn't mean that you're a bad activist in any capacity. It means that you're kind of taking time to recharge and refuel and then be 
a more effective voice for the animals for the rest of your life. That is such good (laughs) advice. And I wish that I had heard that when I first went vegan because I definitely burned myself out at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It it happens. And there's, um, there's a brilliant book, which I talk about a lot, and it's called Vistopia. Okay. And Vistopia was written by a, a brilliant woman named Claire Mann, who is a vegan Australian uh, psychologist. Okay. So she is based in Australia, and she works with vegans and animal activists. And in her book, she actually talks about a young woman who had reached a point with her activism where she actually didn't ever change out of her daytime clothes. So she would sleep you know, in, in her daytime clothes because she felt that she always needed to be ready to go. If there was a rescue, if there was an action, she needed to be ready in that moment. And that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also very problematic. Is that lady still alive? She is. (laughs) She is. Um, so she started, you know, she started working with Claire. Yeah. And, with her support, she was able to find a balance and, again, be reminded that just because she missed a vigil or a protest, it didn't make her ineffectual as an animal activist. Amazing. But fantastic book. Um, Fantastic book for for any vegan. Vistopia is a term that Claire Mann coined, and Vistopia is the experience of living vegan in a non-vegan world. So it's fantastic. The things that she writes about, I would say it's one of the first times I've read a book like that yeah. and read about those stories mm-hmm. and said, oh, yeah, this happens. Yeah. These, these are feelings that mm-hmm. we all experience. Okay. Yeah. So I'm a, I I'm need a big to read that. Dystopia. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much You're welcome. for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Um, any final thoughts or anything? else you want to share yeah I would I would say and anyone can challenge me on this if they if they want to okay I believe that it's really important to think about um, animals it's important to think about our relationships to animals and it's Mm -hmm. important to think about how we talk about animals and the reason that I say that is Mm -hmm. because as we chatted about before, we grow up with these very skewed ideas about which animals are supposed to mean certain things to us, which ones we're supposed to dismiss, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, which ones we're supposed to kill because we call them pests. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the most important things we can do as human beings is challenge those notions, be critical of those notions, mm-hmm. and kind of combat them head on. And I think yeah. the best way that we can do that is by being vegan. 100% with you. Yeah. I agree. Perfect. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much Thank for you. sharing all yeah. of that. This was an amazing episode. I feel like we covered a lot of different we did. topics. Yes. And we did. You are amazing. So <laughs> thank, thank you. you. Thanks again. for all that you do. Thank you. <laughs>